Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Um, we've had an interesting email from a listener that I've been dying to read out for a couple of weeks now. Um, a guy called Hellish Sins. Apparently that's his real name. It's a great name. Uh, he writes, I've been listening to your opinion for over a year now and the intro was really catchy. I want to ask Andre Gonsalves, well all of you actually, if he likes to listen to EDM, Martin Garrix or Armin Van Buren. Hope I will listen to the answer on your next podcast. Andre? Um, well, by EDM, it means the likes of those guys. Uh, well, I don't listen to it. No? No, I do listen to a lot of electronic music, but not EDM in particular. Right. I, I have, I've heard your uh, sexy radio voice on uh, Radio Coimbra, is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? EDM fanatics? Martin Garrix, yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I went to one concert of him last year, actually. Right? Is 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 it? Was it really a concert? It was like two songs, basically, <laughs> repeated. <laughs> well, I've got a couple of reservations with uh, with EDM, which are going to make me sound like I'm about a hundred years old now. But my first one is, it's called electronic dance music, but I think it's the worst music to dance to in the world. Do you not agree? Like it's hard, really hard to find the sort of rhythm of a lot of house and techno and things like that. It's very sort of white people shuffling you around. You do sound about a hundred years old now, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah I feel it as well. Techno was not created by white people. Was it not? No, no. Well, doesn't sounds like it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other the other reservation that I have about it as well is that, um, like, I went to a, a techno club um, at the weekend. And I went into one room, two hours later I went back into the same room and it sounded like the same song. Was yeah. <laughs> I mean, if your ears are not used to it, it's going to sound like that. Because right, okay. I, I feel the same with some other genres of music. Yeah, fair enough. So it's just me then. Yeah, it's you. Yeah. I agree with I you I don't then. think it's just you, Dan. <laughs> I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to this sort of stuff, but, you know, you have to draw a line somewhere, don't you? Uh, anyway. I find that all U2 songs are the same, for instance. All what songs? U2. YouTube, YouTube. Every oh, yeah. single song by YouTube is the same song. Yeah, don't get me started on those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to the all new One Football podcast. Uh, joining me today is Lewis Ambrose. Hello. Francesco Porzio. Ciao. And Armin Van Buren's biggest fan, <laughs> Andre Gonzalez. Hi. Uh, you might have noticed already this podcast is slightly longer than usual. Um, you should get used to that. We're in a new studio now. This is very much a, a new beginning for the podcast. So um, so uh, good times all around. We'd absolutely love to read out more of your questions on the show. They can be about football or literally anything else. So if you'd like to get in touch, the email to do so is podcast at onefootball.com. Um, we're going to start today with the Champions League. We'll dive straight into this week's red-hot action. Uh, we'll start with Barcelona's 4-2 win away at Spurs on Wednesday night. Andre, Barca... First to say, haven't been at the best so far this season, the top of La Liga, um, but they've not been playing brilliantly. Um, there was a bit of confidence that Spurs might actually get a result from this game. Were you surprised at all by Barca's performance in that game and, and the overall result? Uh, no, uh, not at all. Uh, um, the fact that Barca are not at their best, it doesn't mean that it's good enough for Tottenham to beat them. Um I, I, I dig to some numbers um, and against top top clubs in Europe, the Tottenham are not particularly great. They concede a lot of goals and it's really hard to uh, to win games when you concede an average of two goals um, per game against big clubs. And I took the games against Monaco, Juve and Real Madrid. They did quite well against Dortmund last season, but we all know that Dortmund's last season was, they were not a top team. Um, the, their defense is extremely vulnerable and, and it has been like this for a while. 
but when you play in the Premier League, you you don't realize that um, against the likes of I don't know Burnley, and uh, nothing against Burnley, but in their action. <laughs> <laughs> but when you do uh, play against teams like um, like Barcelona or Real Madrid, it's 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 a bit of a stretch still. Mm. Um, Barca were quite disappointing in the Champions League last year they got knocked out by Roma in the quarterfinals um, after that do you think there's a sense that this is their main priority this season? I don't think they have a main priority um, uh, and that's what Verde said many many times that they're in the Champions League or they want to win the Champions League but if they end up winning the Champions League and losing the league to Real Madrid it's going to be awful for, for, the, for the fans um, it's 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 a matter <laughs> it's a matter of honor uh, for every uh, Barca fan, um, and uh, I don't see them prioritizing the um, the Champions League right now. Um, and to be honest, I think they're going to win La Liga uh, without many concerns. <laughs> but I might might be surprised. But I think it's going to be a walk in the park for Barcelona this season. Uh, Dan, I think you might be onto something. I think Messi in particular said said as much that he sort of he wants desperately to bring the Champions League back this year it's been what now I think 2015 the last it's, time they won it they've not made the semi-finals since then I think it's yeah I, I think there's something they're quite embarrassed by being Barcelona and all these years of being in the final and the, the semi-final and the worst part is that Real Madrid have been winning yeah, for the last yeah, for the last um, uh, two three th- three seasons uh, they won three and four seasons. Yeah, um, Messi looks. Yeah. Uh, Messi always looks quite good. It looks inspired at the moment. Hat trick against PSV Eindhoven. He tore Tottenham apart the other night. Man on a mission. Yeah, seems that way, doesn't it? What about Spurs though, Lewis? They're now six points behind uh, Inter and Barca in the group. Can you see them getting out of it now? I think they still can get out of it. They have to take six points off PSV. We saw Inter, obviously, I think we'll come to that later, but Inter beat PSV in Eindhoven the other day. So if they do the job at the San Siro later in the group stage, then that's already nine points, having won the first two games. This really, I think, if they Spurs do beat PSV twice, then it all rests on the game at Wembley between Spurs and Inter. So Champions League's not decided on goal difference, it's the results against if Spurs better Inter's 2-1 win against them at San Siro. I think, sorry Francesco, we can assume that Barcelona have a pretty good chance of beating Inter twice and if they do that then well. it's... <laughs> but yes, if if Barcelona do beat Inter twice then it's basically wide open and the game at Wembley will decide, it's, uh, it's another group will decide who qualifies. Like it restarts again another group yeah. between Inter and uh, Tottenham but Tottenham has to win twice against PSV and Dolan yep. which is not the easy thing, especially in Hindolan. Well, into one in Eindhoven, and you were there, Francesco. Exactly. Tell us about it. <laughs> Tell us all about it. Um, I have to say that the atmosphere was great. I was not expecting that kind of atmosphere, and um, the Philips Stadium was amazing. And uh, it was full. It was not that big, of course. It's thirty-five thousand people, but the the atmosphere was incredible. And uh, I have to say that the second Inter comeback of the season in Champions League was quite interesting because was not expecting that honestly um, you go down in the first half and PSV played really well in the first half I have to say but then now there is there are the two key, key players of Inter that are trying to get in the mood in the Champions League which are Nangolan for sure and Mauricardi 
Mauro Riccardi it's an amazing striker and I have to say that because I think he's one of the best strikers around the world honestly he's, he played the second game of his life in Champions League and he scored again the most important goal of the, of the game so it's very 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 huge for Inter and also for himself because you know everyone was thinking that okay he's a good player but he has to demonstrate that also in Europe not just in Serie A and he scored another goal that important in that game uh, he's amazing and, I, I find uh, it incredible that it's not an option for the Argentinian team <laughs> oh, now he has to be now he has to be he's not going to be there <laughs> it's not going to be it's not going to be there because there is this story about you know Maxi Lopez and uh, but you know you can get over that. I think even Maxi Lopez is over that at this point. Yeah, yeah, they are actually. They are not not friends, but they they actually some when they are the birthdays of the the sons of Maxi Lopez, they always stay together. I mean, that was like five years ago. So come on, move on, you know. <laughs> for the best of Argentinian football also, not just for Inter and for himself. Well, elsewhere, it was a week of rather underwhelming performances from some of Europe's bigger names. We'll start with Manchester United, who were held to a moribund nil-nil draw at home to Valencia. Um, do you get the feeling the United season's already become a pointless waste of everyone's time, Lewis? Yes. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> On the other hand. Every Man United season is a pointless waste of my time, <laughs> even when they were good. Um, yeah, uh, Jose Mourinho, I think by now the vast majority of people don't expect him to turn this United side around. The players quite clearly aren't enjoying him being the manager. He's not enjoying being their manager. United fans aren't enjoying what they're watching. Just get it over and done with, mm. I think. Or don't, because I'm, it's quite nice when Man United yeah, don't keep win. Him. Keep him for as long as possible. In the press conference at 8 a.m., Oh, that was today, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mourinho had his press conference this morning. Three minutes. Three and a half minutes. He was asked six questions. He answered five of them and he walked out. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, well, they've got Juventus home and away in the next two Champions League games. Can you see them getting anything from, from them? Uh, ticket sales. Uh, <laughs> United's website yesterday um, actually posted that there were there were tickets still available for United v Juventus and they weren't calling it a decisive Champions League game they titled it as Ronaldo's return I think it's unbelievable Manchester United battling to stay in the Champions League and they're trying to sell tickets off the back of a former player coming back to play against them yeah and you know recent events might have taken the shine off that we won't uh, go (laughs) too far into that uh, topic at the moment Uh, but Juve did alright in the absence of Ronaldo Paolo Dybala scored a hat-trick in a 3-0 win over Young Boys Francesco do Juve have a bit of a problem when it comes to getting Ronaldo and Dybala in the same team together I don't think so honestly we are getting there I mean um, of course course it wasn't easy at the beginning to have all these players at the same time playing uh, Dybala, Ronaldo and don't forget about Mandzukic, Mandzukic Bernardeschi Douglas Costa which now is uh, injured but even Quadrado is Quadrado, a, a right back now Quadrado <laughs> consider that so to understand how many players Juve has in that position Quadrado is now the right back so I think the the idea of Allegri is having as much as these players playing together uh, anytime soon, but it was not easy, especially to 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 combine, as you said, Dybala and Cristiano Ronaldo together. But now I think we are getting there, and especially this game. Okay, it was young boys, so not the most difficult opponent for Juve, but 
Dybala was lacking a little of confidence at the beginning of the season because, you know, having Ronaldo around, you are the number 10 of Juve, and it's not easy to handle that. But now I think that they are, they can play together with Mandzukic, who has to do the dirty job there. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think that now they can play together. And Juve, honestly, it's embarrassing how good they're playing in Serie A and they, they won every game, won against Napoli. The league is basically over. So. Embarrassing for who? Italy. For Italy, Italian <laughs> football. What yeah. a shame. Oh, It's the, the yeah. first time since 1929 Juventus have won all nine games at the start of a season. Really? Yeah. Damn. Oh well. There is a second second place race, right? <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Uh, Real Madrid. Andre lost away at CSK Moscow. What the hell is going on? And how much is Julen Lopetegui to blame for? Well. For a starter, Lopetegui is not exactly a genius. Um, and I remember that we talked about that on, on the podcast when they announced that Lopetegui would be the uh, new Real Madrid coach. Um, I've, I've seen him coaching the under-19s and the under-21s. Uh, it was not particularly brilliant. He won both Euros with the under-19 and under-21s because basically... The Spanish team was so much better than the rest of European teams that uh, I could I could have done it. And then he's, he had a, like a very, very sad spell at Porto uh, when he basically uh, had the most expensive team on Portuguese football for two years in a row and he wasn't capable of making three consecutive passes. When was that? Um, three years ago, three, four years ago. Um, After that, there was that surprising appointment uh, to take over the, the national team. And then that fantastic moment, uh, two days before the start of the World Cup, when he decided to leave the, the national team for Real Madrid. This is like a, a quick recap of uh, Lopetegui's life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but right now, um, I think this uh, Real Madrid season is going to be a very complicated um, season. It's, it's an, a new cycle. Uh, the men that used to score an average of 50 goals per season left and they have no one um, to, fill, to fill those shoes. Mariano Diaz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I really like Mariano Diaz. I, want, I, I, want, I really want to defend the guy. Um, but he, he, came, he came from the academy last season. He had that very weird move to Lyon where he played really well and scored a lot of goals. Uh, but uh, there's still a long path to to um, be the number seven that that Real Madrid need, and the, they thought, okay, we have Gareth Bale, we have Benzema, ah, we're fine, we don't need anyone else, which is definitely not true. Um, as Benzema and Bale are two very good players, and they start their start of the season was actually okay. But when it comes to that moment that you need to step up and, and be a super, superstar, uh, that didn't happen. Uh, they were massacred in, uh, in Seville against uh, Sevilla. It was 3-0. It could have been easily 6-7-0. I, I don't remember seeing such a disorganized Real Madrid on the pitch. Um, then against Atleti, they were a bit better, particularly in the second half. Um, I think the, the draw was... A fair result and uh, the mentality of the team after the game was everyone felt quite frustrating 
and um, the motivation they needed to play against CSKA just didn't exist at all. Um, they they looked like a sad team on the pitch in in Russia, um, and this defeat against CSKA is like a half surprise to me because mm. the lack of mentality uh, of on Real Madrid team right now is is frankly disturbing. Mm. And um, they asked some of the players in the end of the game, is that, are you not motivated to play in the Champions League again? Because mm -hmm. you have won it in the previous years. Yeah. And everyone said, no, 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 we want to win again. We want to win This is Real Madrid, we're going to win it. But I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that watching the game. It's just human nature, isn't it, surely? If you've won the Champions League three years in a row, you just can't possibly be as up for it in the fourth year. There's nothing to prove, is there? No. <sighs> they didn't change enough. I think I, I, I'm with you. The, 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 the transfer market policy was so weird. They needed a, a not a revolution, but they needed a different kind of evolution. Think about Modric. They wanted him to stay. Then he, they want him to stay. But then what happened now? Modric, where is he? It's it, the the way they play is so predictable. It's so predictable. It's so easy to just kill everything about Real Madrid. The only player that brings something different to the game is Isco and he had an appendicitis <laughs> so is is out until the end of the month I think I think he's going to come in come back in three weeks or so uh, but without Isco there's nothing uh, worth seeing in this Real Madrid right now because you have the course uh, uh, and and Modric, they are like like uh, a ticking clock. Uh, you know that they can provide security to the, to the team, but they they're not adding a lot of creativity. And and the job of who takes over the creativity part would be Isco and Asensio. Uh, but the the Spanish media is putting so much pressure into Asensio's uh, shoulders right now. Um, he's, he's only 22 and he's, he's a very good player but again he needs some time uh, but according to Spanish media he's going to be the next Ballon d'Or they've been <laughs> saying this for I don't know the last couple of years and this is way too much just, just calm down a little bit Asensio was awful in, 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 um, in Moscow and and not because it's bad, but because it's going to happen. It's natural. Is 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 the whole process of growing up and uh, and becoming like a very important club, a very important um, name in a club like Real Madrid. You need some time, um, and I feel like the pressure that they're putting on on Asensio right now is is way too much. It's it's frankly stupid. Mm. Uh, well, someone else who's under a bit of pressure is Nico Kovac by Munich. They've now gone three games without a win, if I'm not mistaken. What is going on there, Lewis? Yeah, it's all. Uh Great tragedy, and I think German <laughs> football is weeping for Bayern Munich Absolutely, right now. Yeah, uh, yeah Nico Kovac is obviously so. He, it all started a couple of weeks ago when I think he'd won the first seven games as Bayern coach, and then people started saying, "Oh, he's only two behind the Bayern record for a start to a season," and then they haven't won since. Um, the first game was actually quite unlucky against Augsburg. They played in it was last midweek before the Champions League, and they played pretty well and then just took their foot off the gas they only got one goal took their foot off the gas at home which very rarely happens with Bayern and let one in a scrappy set piece goal right at the end of the game Man Felix Götze yeah Felix Götze brother of Mario yeah. the best Götze right now the, the Götze redemption <laughs> revenge yeah um, yeah it was a bit of a mistake from Manuel Neuer and 
Bayern drop two points and everyone shrugs their shoulders because yeah Bayern will drop points sometimes and they'll still win the league by 15 points so it doesn't really matter uh, and then last week against uh, Hertha Berlin they were much much worse they gave up an early penalty they conceded a second goal after that and they put some pressure on in the second half but Hertha didn't buckle and Bayern looked a little bit out of ideas exactly. at the moment that's, no, yeah, that's how I, it feels I saw right a team now. without ideas yeah. like giving the ball to Robin and Ribéry yep uh, and that's it a lot on and uh, you could do that like 10 years ago but maybe now it's not a good I, idea I, I anymore, think no? two games in a row it's not a big deal Hertha as well like the Bayern did put pressure on Hertha and nine games out of ten they would have scored one and then the team that was leading probably would buckle the really scary one was Ajax in midweek playing at home at the Allianz Arena they went 1-0 up in the first five or six minutes and you just we've seen it how many times in the last six or seven years Bayern Munich go up at home in the Champions League early and they score five or six and they didn't and they didn't actually deserve to they didn't create anything else Ajax played their silvers into the game and by the time they equalised they were the better team and throughout the second half it looked like only Ajax were the team that were going to win that chance after chance Neuer saved them a couple of times they hit the bar to see a team not even like a, a team from one of Europe's major leagues obviously Ajax are an enormous club historically but a really young team turn up in Munich go behind but have the resolve to come back and then buy and look the ones that were shaky there's been reports this week about the players being upset Kovac he's got it's a bit strange I think he's trying to protect the players he's got a very small squad I think he's got about 18 19 senior players in the entire squad uh, they've already got a couple of injuries at the moment which definitely is definitely not enough it's nowhere near enough not even close not nowadays when you're playing twice so many, a week every single week yeah, so players are expected to run 11 12 kilometers every three days it can't happen and also it doesn't give him any flexibility to change the shape of the team if he wants to because they've got three centre-backs at the club It's you can't play a back three because if someone gets injured you have to change everything yeah but the, the quality they still have it's they have, the they have great quality think, but uh, the, the players seem upset at the moment because this rotation policy has been talking about Matt Tummels James Rodriguez uh, p- particularly not really enjoying it I think the biggest problem goes back to the size of the squad and it goes back to the summer when Anthony Martial was begging to leave Manchester United. Kingsley Coman got injured on the first day of the Bundesliga season, which is a massive loss. He's a guy who can just break defences open on his own. Robin Ribery are 36 and 37 now. They, you can't just keep expecting them to do what they were doing four the years ago. They, it's impossible. They were not sure to renew the contract four years ago, four, four months ago. And now they play every game. And, and, they, and they, they renewed with both of them as well. Exactly. Partway through last season, it looked like Ribery or Robin would get a new deal when they both got new contracts. And they're still playing. That's more, even more important. Yeah, and they're they playing every uh, Yeah, to the decision to not sign a young forward, a young winger. I think Bayern obviously have got the players. Um, and it does take time sometimes, or most of the time with a new coach. I wonder if Niko Kovac is going to struggle to gain their respect when the players have obviously as a player he had a great career but as a manager he's not done very much he had a poor spell with Croatia he won the cup with Frankfurt last season and then he's just gone into the Bayern Munich gig and you wonder if he has the authority over big name players and if they are upset if there are grumbles in the squad how he's going to cope with that but I feel like every coach that that takes over uh, Bayern these days is going to have that problem it doesn't matter how experienced it is because if you have uh 
players like uh, Hoban and Ribery and in the team for so many years. They they pretty much own the team. It, it goes exactly. beyond that. That's what well. happened like in Italy with Milan and Inter at one point. They had these players that owned the locker room and they decided who was going to be the next manager, who was going to be the next signing. Man, you get you need to get over that at one point. It, it goes beyond it as well. When you go upstairs at Bayern Munich and Hoeneß and Rummenigge are running the club, Hoeneß is the president, Rummenigge is chief executive, and they don't share a vision at all. Mm. Every other week, you'll see some one of them say something about the transfer market or the state of the squad, and about two days later, the other one will come out in some sort of power play and completely contradict what the what Hoeneß has said or Rummenigge uh, or Hoeneß will contradict like what Rummenigge said. Lewandowski one day was on the market, the other day was Boateng, the other day was uh, Vidal, and then they changed the the strategies like from one day to other. Hoeneß says Bayern Munich will never spend 100 million euros on a player, and Rummenigge says that if there's a good player available for 100 million euros and they think he's worth it, they'll not even hesitate exactly. to spend it. You can't have a club. They'll, Dybala, they'll, no? they'll, they'll be, and, uh, I think, a few different players. But the, Bayern Munich will win the Bundesliga league almost certainly it would be a Leicester type shock if they, Dortmund. If they didn't wow but Dortmund yeah you never know you with never that know. Manchester City legend but Jadon like, Sancho oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're jumping out of it there but yeah before this the structure of the club is fixed Bayern are not going to get close to the Champions League again yeah Pour you up Hanks he's just got his garden now he likes it as well <laughs> he's a very busy man yeah. uh, you mentioned Jaden Sancho there so let's talk about him he's a assist king for Dortmund uh, is he still got the highest assists in Europe he has he? yeah after yeah. he got another one in the Champions League yeah. the other day he's the real deal this boy isn't he he's quite good yeah uh, yeah it's been interesting so far that he's he's not started a Bundesliga game yet this season and it it suits you don't want to get penned as the super sub do mm. you but Dortmund have not always looked impressive in their game so far this season and then Sancho's the guy on the bench that they turn to 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 inject something into the game to rip something open uh, and he did it again last week against Leverkusen and Dortmund were 2-1 down he came off the bench he combined with Royce within about a minute to set up an equaliser and then he got another assist in stoppage time Dortmund won 4-2 uh, yeah and he was supposed to be in the England under 21 squad this week uh, everybody was saying even Lucien Favre said he was in the under 21 oh, squad really, he had yeah. a press conference yesterday morning and they, he was asked about Jaden Sancho and said yeah he's great but we've got to remember he's very very young so I think it's good that he's going to go and play for the under 21s first <laughs> before he jumps to the national team but uh, his assist in the Champions League seemed to change Gareth Southgate's mind mm. yeah good decision I think he deserves it yeah I think it's exciting as well mm. I, I don't know how seriously people really care about the Nations League so you might as well throw in Exactly. The likes of Jaden Sancho, Mason. But not now. from the first minute because he, does, he doesn't know how to yeah, play from well, the first yeah, minute. No, he can, he can only play the last, <laughs> the, minutes, the last 20 minutes of a game. Perfect. <laughs> uh, Liverpool lost 1-0 away at Napoli, didn't have a single shot on target. Um, it's been quite a while since Liverpool have looked as flat as that. Is it something they should be worried about, do you think? Again, it was a massacre. That, that second half, it was absolutely yeah. insane. The, the, Napoli created so many chances and they only got one. Cool. Injury it's time as well. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, I was actually quite surprised with uh, with Liverpool. Um, with Napoli was no with Liverpool. <laughs> I was expecting that. I was expecting that for Napoli. You were expecting yeah. that game yeah, for playing Napoli. at home, oh, you know, all that. Uh, um, but but Liverpool were just pretty bad. <laughs> they were so bad, and uh, that was not the image that that I I had on my mind. Um, 
with this uh, new Liverpool, the, the things they did last season, which I th I think it was incredible considering the the squad they have, um, and and they started the, the Champions League quite well against PSG. So um, yeah, it was a surprise for me. Mm. Mo Salah hasn't really got going yet this season. What's going on there? Do you think is it a case that he's just taking a bit of time to get going, or is he the new Amezaki? <laughs> Do you want to say the new Fernando Torres? You probably don't even know who Amezaki is. Well, he probably yes, maybe Fernando the, Torres. Yeah. Maybe the Salah that we saw last year wasn't the real Salah. I think maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't. Not think. saying that he's bad. Uh, yeah, no. of course, of course. <laughs> I'd say that maybe he, he's not the guy who scores thirty-five goals. Every every single every season. Forty-four yeah. he got last season. I think exactly. Yeah, I mean, all competition. The, the most yeah. goals ever, I think, in a thirty-eight game Premier League mm. season. Yeah, I think so. Thirty-two, thirty-three. I, yeah, I think the truth is probably somewhere between. He's had games this season where he's sort of missed chances that last year he was putting away. And I think with strikers, but with forwards, it's always a bigger worry if they're not getting any chances. If you're missing chances, eventually you'll score some. Um, I'd, he's not going to score as many goals as he did last season. He probably never will again, but he's going to score a hell of a lot of goals, I think. I reckon he'll be fine. Probably score about five against City this weekend. So <laughs> <laughs> but let me say something about Ancelotti against Liverpool. Go for it. You, from this game, you can see the difference between Ancelotti and Sarri, in my opinion. Um, Sarri is a great manager, but he doesn't change a lot, his ideas. Ancelotti completely changed in Napoli for that game. He played with three centre backs, which Napoli didn't play since Mazzarri was the manager of Napoli. He <laughs> played with, and that's huge, you know, because you were not expecting that from that game. In a Champions League game, the first game in Napoli of the season with Ancelotti in charge at the, um, in Champions League at San Paolo, and he changed the team completely just for that game, and he won. So that's huge, and I think for for Napoli, it's important to have a, a manager that you know he has. He know the talent he has. He know he knows the work that Sarri has done. So he didn't throw that up. He used that kind of work and he adapts that to his kind of football and his ideas. And that's huge for Napoli. I think. Mm. Credit to Don Carlo. And before we move away from the Champions League, I think credit is due to somebody else who's took a lot of stick on this podcast uh, over time. But Neymar scored a fantastic hat trick. Who's that? PSG. <laughs> Neymar, have you heard of him? Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, we were being too harsh on Neymar. Do you think is he? Is there a, a really top quality player in there somewhere? I, I I've been defending the the man for quite some time. Um, what happened during the World Cup was a bit of. It was it was a bit of two things. Um, Neymar wasn't good enough in a World Cup, and it was also the the media and all the the frenziness when it comes to the, such an important event like a World Cup. Um, the, the 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 things the media wrote and the way people criticized Neymar during the World Cup was way too much, in my opinion. Um, he didn't start uh, diving. In the World Cup, he has been like this since uh, the start of his career back in in Sanch. and um, people suddenly realize, oh, it has a lot. Fine, let's make a lot of jokes, like a million jokes uh, about this for two months straight. <laughs> I think it's not going to be enough, and people will still laugh after two months. Uh, but in the end of the day, Neymar is a great footballer. He's going to have ups and downs as every single footballer in the world. And it, things are a bit easier when you play against Red Star Belgrade. Yeah. That's 
it's it's true and it was brilliant and let's see if he can pull it off against uh, big clubs in the future. No, everyone talks about... Uh, I thought the podcast was really harsh on PSG as, as a whole, actually, after they lost to Liverpool. And Liverpool made the Champions League final last year and beat PSG 3-2. And I think it was Alex who like really went in on PSG <laughs> like as if they, they don't even deserve to be in the Champions League or something. Bloody Alex. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's why he's not on this week. Yeah, he's been sacked. <laughs> he's grounded. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, nobody seems to have a problem saying that Kylian Mbappe is definitely the best young player in the world and he's incredible. But when Neymar, Neymar, by the way, has scored or assisted in every single game he's played this season. But when you tell people that, they go, oh yeah, but he's playing in Ligue 1. Mm. No one cares that Kylian Mbappe is playing in Ligue 1 or yeah. that Ibrahimovic was scoring all these goals in the French League. Don't mention Ibrahimovic, which is goal. Oh yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he listens to this podcast. <laughs> um, Maybe he's Asian. <laughs> Probably. Remember my name, Mino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think it was... I think the reaction is, was a bit overboard. I think PSG... I don't know if they'll be able to go far in the Champions League, but I think they've got some incredible players. And when you've got that firepower with Neymar, who has proven for years that he's one of the best players in the world. This isn't like, oh, he's on a bit of form at the moment. Oh, should we talk about him with Messi it's like no six years ago people were saying he was Messi's heir so he's been doing it for a long time he's already won the Champions League once with Barcelona I think he's 26 now he's yeah 26 26 or so Neymar is one of the best players in the world still and he's got as many goals as any Brazilians ever scored in the Champions League now with his hat trick against Red Star um yeah, it's it a bit is, overkill. Um, I and he's going to beat all the records. Yeah, definitely. So it's definitely. And I think it came up in the office yesterday, or the day before of a lunch, somebody just said, can anyone really see PSG getting past the, the last 16 in the Champions League? I just, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and write off a team that has Neymar, Mbappe and Cavani as the front three because they could turn up anywhere and score five goals. It depends a lot on the group. It's challenging. Yeah, yeah with Liverpool and Napoli. Napoli. Yeah, it's, it's a complicated group, but it, it depends on what, what they're going to get on the draw. It's always like this on the Champions yeah, exactly. League. If they get to the round of 16. Basically, if they draw whoever... <laughs> they got Barcelona and Real Madrid in the last couple of years. If so. they draw whoever gets out of Porto, Schalke, Galatasaray, and locomotive Moscow exactly. they might be alright but it's not that easy to get to the round of 16 for none of PSG Napoli and it's a tough Europe. group yeah it's a, tough, it's a really tough group who can you say now I mean I, I don't know who cannot go to the round of 16 well, all, all three teams have dropped points already exactly Napoli dropped points exactly. in the game you should win in that group so it's one to and watch for playing sure. in Napoli is not easy for any, any team honestly mm. uh, the pressure the fans they, they are there the crazy announcer exactly <laughs> <laughs> Everything. I heard it described as the worst stadium in Europe the other night by a Liverpool fan actually oh when it comes to the structure Anfield. the structural yeah. structure yeah, yeah. oh yeah definitely I'm amazed that he didn't collapse honestly <laughs> yeah well the, the old uh, the old uh, Vicente Calderon was, was also pretty bad yeah that I was <laughs> in that stadium and also it was in Napoli's worst believe me you saw the video of Vicente the journalist like inside the, the tunnel like in between the tribune and the pitch Man, what's that? Like, we are in 2018 and we still have these kind was, of things. I, I was in Madrid <laughs> I was in Madrid la, last year. Um, no, the year before last. And we went to the Vigente Calderon because we thought, oh, what a shame if if we never go there and then it's just gone. And it just looked like an abandoned car park. Oh. Dreadful. Yeah, it was a pretty bad stadium. Fortunately, they now have one of the best arenas in Europe. 
because the, the previous one was awful. It was really bad. <laughs> got an absolutely massive game coming up in the Premier League on Sunday where Manchester City travel to Anfield and I'm nervous already um, I don't know if you know this but City haven't won at Anfield since May 2003 um, and even that was a bit of a fluke I remember going to see X-Men 2 at the cinema that day and I found out on the bus home that City had won uh, against all odds at Anfield thanks to a late Nicholas and Elka winner my question is does City have any chance of winning on Sunday Lewis? They have a chance yeah <laughs> sure did you see Liverpool in Naples? I did, yeah, but that just doesn't make me feel any better at all, to be honest. So now you're fearing the, the, the reaction to yeah, that. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like the Liverpool players were already thinking of the City game in oh, Naples? Possibly, yeah. I think the interesting thing about this one is that Liverpool, I think, there's this whole, whole thing around Liverpool with the five European Cups that they go on and on about do they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> sorry four European Cups <laughs> never say that to a Liverpool fan um, yeah and uh, but surely after all this time get being the champions of England again that's what they want and City on the other hand it, I think it's a bit more about the Champions League there's nothing to prove in England after picking up 100 points just 100 points last year Um <laughs> So I think Liverpool might be more up for this one than City. I think City will go back there with... I, I don't think it's possible to go back there and not think of what happened last time. Just blown away by the atmosphere, by a couple of cracking goals. Um, and I think Liverpool will try and ride that wave and really lay down a marker for the title race, to be honest. Mm. How do you stop Liverpool? Is there any way of containing them that, that front three how did Napoli stop them three centre backs apparently yeah <laughs> that's, that's well. what it did um, yeah, two old midfielders up front yeah, basically was, uh, I, I, I don't know yeah. if Guardiola might do the same honestly if he maybe with Otamendi Laporte and uh, company playing at the same time I mean he's doing that right he did, didn't he do Laporte, Laporte, Laporte was a left back he played as left back but if he plays more centred with another like player on the left so be more defensive. I don't like Guardiola is probably for sure better than me to <laughs> understand I'm Liverpool. Not that sure. that, I think without no, that's sure, right? You sell yourself. Self but sure. honestly, I mean, they are not. It's not invisible. They they can win against uh, against Liverpool for sure. And Napoli proved that it's possible. Napoli is worse than Manchester City. I think we all agree with that. So if Napoli did it. I'm sure that Manchester City can do that. I mean, Dan, you're the expert here on Exactly, you should know more than us, you know? (laughs) Do you you think, like, maybe not having Benjamin Mundy would be a really big loss for this game in particular? I think so, yeah, because Laporte played against Hoffenheim at left-back the other night and looked all at sea. The other option, I don't think Fabian Delft's going to be fit, so it's going to be Zinchenko, who I quite like, but of a game of this magnitude, I don't think Not against Mohamed Salah. Exactly, exactly, even Salah out of form, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit apprehensive about that. Hopefully Mendy will be fit, but even he can be a little bit iffy defensively sometimes, so we'll see. And yeah, also Liverpool is without Naby Keita, right? It looks it's that way. Not sure, it's, yeah. not sure, yeah. it's not sure, but like if it. it's not in the game, that's very... But from what, what I've been hearing, I mean, I've not watched every minute of Liverpool this season, but Keita hasn't actually been that good, apparently. Not so far, I don't no. think, no. No, but I, I think he was. I still <laughs> just me because I love that guy. I think right? he's an amazing player. He's, I think he's one hell of a signing. He he does this, those kind of passes, have ideas that other players don't have. And even if okay, he wasn't at his best on Leipzig, was way better for sure. But even two three passes that he did, like Liverpool didn't have that last year. 
honest. And he's sort of breaking from midfield as well, isn't it? Are we looking at the two title contenders there, or do you think Chelsea could join the party? Could Arsenal even join the party, Lewis? No. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, I wouldn't. Maybe. I, I never thought Chelsea would be this good this quickly, to be honest. Under, I, I thought Sarri is a fantastic coach, and I thought Chelsea would be great under him. I didn't think they would look so drilled in his ways so quickly. I mean, even Klopp, Guardiola at City, Liverpool had sort of bedding in periods where you could see flashes of what they were trying to instill and it wasn't quite there yet Sarri it looks like he's Amazing. arrived and they're playing within a month and they're don't playing forget that Napoli he arrived in the middle of July basically yeah. But, but he wasn't sure if he was the, the coach of Signing Jorginho is a huge, huge thing yeah. because he's, he has a player right yeah, in the middle the of the pitch the impact that Jorginho is having to the Premier League I mean were you expecting that? I was not honestly like, I was yeah? yeah like, it's it's way harder to play in Italy with Napoli. Yeah, that's than, true. Than but play. I mean, going to Stamford Bridge and playing that midfield. I think he's broke the pass record twice. Now. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hundred and seventy passes or something. Couldn't beat West Ham though. No. <laughs> but the, the thing is, um, the the they assimilated the ideas of Sarri so quick. It's, yeah, that's it's what insane. I, that's what I was saying but about Jorginho. It's, it's going to be hard to keep this pace. I think having Jorginho there, Sarri already has a player right in the middle of the park that can tell everybody where to press, when to press, where they should be when they have the ball. Like He can just put Sarri's ideas into motion during the game because he knows it so well. Exactly. Which it's is interesting a because when, Na- when Sarri went from Empoli to Napoli, he brought one midfielder, which is Valdifiori, who now plays in the, um, uh, for, for Spal, actually. And he didn't play probably like two, three games for Napoli, but he brought that player just because of the training, because he wanted the other players to know how he was working Empoli with him. So the difference is that this time he brought Jorginho, who is probably the best midfielder in Italy. (laughs) So, but it's interesting to see how he does that. So it's not just about what he says, what he says to the players, but uh, um, having a player that was in that Napoli with him man speaks for himself and there's one thing that i really like about uh chelsea right now is that you can you can spot that the players are really happy to play for sarri oh you've just played for conte and Mourinho, and suddenly you've got a guy telling you express yourself and all of this attacking yeah, football but they are really really happy and it is something that you you could spot back in in napoli it was like Ed that hazard. everyone was like eager to play they really yeah, loved it Eden hazard looks like he's been f- waiting five years for this mm. for a manager who he's just who tells him to go Sarri. and play his football. Yeah, it's like a kid. Hazard like yeah. is the reason why che- um, uh, Chelsea has chosen Sarri probably because now you can see like Hazard is perfect for Sarri. Like who, who's Mertens probably is, was better than, than Hazard for, yeah. for Sarri, but he's that kind of player that uh, and also all the other players that play for Chelsea, I think they are perfect for the ideas of Sarri. Even Kanté or or Giroud, <laughs> but Arsenal no. Well, no. And they, oh, yeah, just to they beat Carabag. They did three nil. <laughs> just to circle back to that, as soon as you asked, uh, yeah, Arsenal have now in all competitions eight games in a row they've won. Uh, of the five in the Premier League, two were away from home. Very narrow wins against Cardiff and Newcastle, where Arsenal scraped I would say the win I think at home as well against West Ham Watford the performances 
the results are good and you can't complain about that the performances weren't of a team that are going to keep winning and keep pace with Liverpool and Manchester City I think Arsenal play a lot of away games in the next month or so and we might start to see it come back around so we can see that Unai Emery is already better than Arsene Wenger right oh <laughs> that's a big question don't answer that Lewis <laughs> Dre we've been quite critical of Madrid today and Barcelona to a slightly lesser extent but the first and second in La Liga respectively at the moment do you think anyone else is going to get involved in the title race there or is it, or is it between those two I surely hope so um, I, I think that this Barcelona and this Madrid uh, they're worse this season than they were uh, last season And uh, I'm seeing a better um, Sevilla, way better. And I hope to see Atleti uh, back on the top. Mm-hmm. So it would be incredible to see a La Liga title race with four teams for the first time in, I don't know how many years. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Sevilla there. What is going on with Andre Silva? Milan again. Well, <laughs> definitely not a Milan legend. <laughs> so uh, uh, what happened? It's, I, it's quite simple. Um, He, he, he was always a good player. Uh, he moved from uh, the Portuguese league to Italy to a club that it's a it's a bloody mess uh, in the past almost 10 years now. Um, when he got to Italy, everyone was expecting him to be the new Jesus Christ of Milan. Uh, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a, on a kid like, like him. Um, he scores a lot of goals, but the, the, what he brings to the game is way more than that. Uh, he, creates, he creates a lot of space. Uh, he's really good playing with his back um, to the goal. He's uh, brilliant on one-twos. Um, and uh, the way Sevilla plays um, fits him perfectly because they play with three guys up front. It's uh, a very mobile front. Um, and I'm really, I'm really glad that he's uh, scoring goals because... He needs that. He's a strike. Yeah. Long may it continue. Um, he wasn't that player at Milan, though, was he? <laughs> Because I think there, were, there was too much pressure for the money that Milan paid for him. Uh, it was a lot of money, for sure. And then um, Milan didn't actually, uh, especially Gattuso when he arrived, he didn't want him to be his number nine. There was Kalinic, there was Cotrone, who did an amazing season last year. And he's doing also this year. So there, there was a lack of the number nine. Uh, no one was that good to be the number nine of Milan. And Andre Silva also very psychologically wasn't very involved in that team. Uh, there was a video of uh, the end of an important vi- winning of Milan. He didn't celebrate with the other teammates. Mm. So he was excluded by the group of, uh, at some point because they they realized that he didn't want to stay in the club. And Gattuso actually said in an interview last, um, last week that they were asking about Andre Silva, why he's doing great in uh, Sevilla, why Milan was a disaster. And he said, I actually believe that Andre Silva was a good striker, even for us this season, but he wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. That's it. If a player wants to leave, I don't want him to stay because if he has no motivation to stay, I cannot do something. Yeah. He'll still, still score a lot of goals on the Europa League last season with Milan. Because he was always playing in Europe. He was always playing, and we can say that the opponents of uh, in Europa League are not that difficult to play against. <laughs> Every time I read about Milan, it seems to be Gattuso saying his players were embarrassing. <laughs> it can't be good for his health, this, can it? What, what's going on with them there? Every time they ask Gattuso about why he's so nervous in general, why he's so impatient, he always answers, well, I was born af- after seven months. 
So I was always that. I cannot change. That's my, my life. I was born that way. Uh, but actually, I think he's, um, he's important for the team because he's kind of one of them. So they, they see him as a, also as a player, not only as a coach, as a manager. And all the critiques, you can, I mean, all the Milan fans blame the team, don't blame Gattuso, because they see him and his attitude and also his concept of football, which is very important for me because everyone, when he arrived at Milan was saying, oh, the attitude, uh, yeah, that's the person, that um, the personality you needed for Milan. But Gattuso is also a very good manager. He has ideas and he he's trying to change something. Now, uh, yesterday um, against Olympiacos, he also played with Cutrone and Higuain at the same time. Um, I don't think that that's something that he can do frequently, but yeah, because you know, they, it's they were down one nil. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, but also he did that against Roma and they were uh, drawing and then um, Cutrone scored a goal in the last minute. So he's, he's trying to change something, but most importantly, he needed to change the mentality of Milan, which was a disaster in the last years. And I think that now with the new property, with Maldini, Leonardo, maybe Kaká is also going to the... Um, to the to the to, to, the, to the, board. the club to the board. To do, do you feel like Gattuso is a long-term manager? Because I feel I feel like he's a transitional coach, and that's all. Um, that's probably what what most people think. But how can you if he if he performs well? How can you sack him and change with another coach? But I mean, he's performing the well of Milan. Milan. It's, it's winning, I agree yeah. with that. It's winning and it's not gonna win for sure. Um, if The question is if he doesn't make to the Champions League. Yeah, they have to get back there. They have to get back to the Champions League. If he doesn't, I believe that that guy who was at Chelsea might be a good option for AC Milan next season. Mm. Interesting. Well, well, you went to Legend. Mourinho. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, man, that would be, I quit, I quit with football. Still, still unemployed, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good yeah. option. Still <laughs> unemployed, right? Yeah. West Brom legend. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that bombshell, uh, we're going to have to leave that there. Thank you for listening to the bigger, longer, and uncut One Football podcast. Uh, thank you to my guests Andre, Lewis, and Francesco, and we will see you next week. <laughs>